From the heart of our nation's capital, here's Family Research Council President Tony Perkins. Well, welcome everyone to Washington Watch. We're broadcasting today from the Creation Music just outside of Cincinnati, Ohio. I just arrived, got on the ground. I'll be speaking in the morning at the Answers in Genesis Conference for Pastors at the Ark Encounter. We'll talk more about that later when the president and CEO of Answers in Genesis, Ken Ham, joins us here on Washington Watch. But first, yesterday the White House marked the first 100 days since the Dobbs decision which overturned the court's 1973 ruling on abortion and put the issue of abortion into the hands of the people and their elected representatives. As we've long known, the left does not like to leave these issues in the hands of the people. We're not going to sit by and let Republicans throughout the country enact extreme policies to threaten access to basic health care. And that's why we're all here today. That's why we formed this, this, this commission. That was the president yesterday at his abortion summit. Now, the the Biden administration has what I would describe as an abortion worldview. They see almost everything through the lenses of abortion. Listen to what Biden's secretary of education, Miguel Cardona, said at the White House abortion summit yesterday. Access to reproductive health care is vital to these students and to countless others for success in college and beyond. So abortion is fundamental to success for women in school. That's an amazing statement. But it shows you how committed this administration is to abortion. We're going to be joined by Dr. Andy Harris, congressman from Maryland, in just a moment. We're going to look more at this and the policies being pushed by this administration. Also, yesterday, Oklahoma Governor Kevin Stitt signed a bill prohibiting federal funding for transgender medical treatment for minors It urged the legislature to adopt a statewide ban when they return. We'll talk with Oklahoma Senate President Pro Tem Greg Treat a little later here on Washington Watch. Mark your calendars. October the 12th, FRC and Regent University will host a Pray, Vote, Stand town hall meeting at Cornerstone Chapel in Leesburg, Virginia. The topic is the rise of the term of Christian nationalism. Where did it come from and why is it being used? We'll have a whole lineup of speakers, so be sure and mark your calendar. That's October the 12th, 7 p.m. Eastern time at Cornerstone Chapel. To find out more or to register to be a part of it, text the word Town Hall. That's one word, Town Hall, to 67742, and you can be a part of this nationwide Town Hall meeting. Our word for today comes from 1 Kings chapter 8. It's verses 57 and 58. Solomon had just prayed a prayer of dedication for the temple, and then he turns and he blesses the nation that had gathered for the occasion. He said this, May the Lord our God be with us as he was with our fathers. May he not leave us nor forsake us, that he might incline our hearts to himself to walk in all of his ways and to keep his commandments and his statutes and his judgments, which he commanded our fathers." The evidence of God's presence and blessing upon a people is that their hearts will be inclined to follow him and walk in his ways and keep his words so that they might enjoy life and be satisfied with all that he has provided. You know, God bless America. Those words have become almost without meaning today. May we renew our prayer for God's blessing on our nation that he might incline our hearts to follow him. To find out more about our Bible reading plan, stand on the word, go to frc.org slash Bible. As I mentioned, the Biden White House has marked the 100th day of the Dobbs decision with a summit yesterday at the White House. And one of the announcements coming out was a dedication of more than $6 million to advance abortion uh, research grants in various parts of the country. Now, this underscores what is at stake in the midterm elections, because Congress has the ability to determine what government dollars will be used for and whether or not they will be spent for things like abortion and the promotion of it. Joining me now to discuss this and more is Congressman Andy Harris. He is a member of the House Appropriations Committee. He is co-chair of the House Pro-Life Caucus and a member of the GOP Doctors Caucus. He represents Maryland's first congressional district. Dr. Harris, welcome back to Washington Watch. Good to be with you, Tony. 
First, uh, Congressman Harris, let me get your reaction to the White House meeting yesterday focused on abortion. Uh, Tony, that's unbelievable. You know, with the price of gas going up, with uh, murder rates going up, violent crime going up, the southern border uh, basically defenseless, spent mill killing 70,000 of our youth. And he's talking about abortion and a summit at the White House. Uh, the president is tone deaf on, uh, to, to the, the concerns of average people. I want to play a clip from Vice President Harris yesterday at this event as well. Play clip number one. The Dobbs decision created a health care crisis in America. And this task force was convened by the President of the United States to address this crisis in a way that we would approach it from an all-of-government, hands-on approach. So, so, Dr. Harris, can you explain to, to me and to our viewers how putting the issue of abortion into the hands of elected representatives versus the court created a health care crisis in America? Well, look, in their mind, it did, because there are people who don't want abortion to be to be uh, done until, for instance, the ninth month of pregnancy uh, to be paid for with government dollars. So in their mind, it creates a crisis when when a state government can come in and say or the federal government can keep the Hyde Amendment, for instance, and say we're not going to spend taxpayer dollars or a state can come in and say, look, we're going to limit it to 15 weeks. You can't have an abortion at, at eight months for sex selection. This is a frightening thought to uh, to the liberals who, who, again, who worship at the altar of abortion. That's the only way I can say it, uh, because, uh, look, the the Dobbs decision did not create a health care crisis uh, that I, I look. I'm a physician. I look around. There's no health care crisis created by the Dobbs decision. There there are health care issues, but that's not one of them. Let me step back for just a moment. As you mentioned, you are a physician before coming to Congress. You were a doctor. In fact, this issue is what kind of led you into the political arena. We've talked about that before. But abortion is not health care. Ending the life of a human being is not health care. They're adopting this lingo, just like they do with so many other things, like gender-affirming care, the mutilation of young people. They're, they're twisting the, the, the English language. Look, you're absolutely right. As I remind people, the fatality rate is 50 percent in every abortion. Uh, that, that's that's not health care when a fatality rate is 50 percent. Uh, but they want to use that term. We should never use that term. Uh, the bottom line is that abortion, you know, abortion kills a beating heart. I mean, that's the bottom line. And uh, look, the idea of states putting limitations on abortion is absolutely frightening uh, to, to the liberals who, again, who consider abortion at any time during pregnancy, perfectly fine for any reason, including sex selection. You know, and I think this is something that, that our viewers and listeners need to be very much aware of so they can have conversations with friends because and family, because post-Dobbs, this issue goes back to the Congress and to state legislatures across the country. This does not outlaw anything on its face. It simply gives this into the hands of the legislature where it should have been before. But you have you have the media taking up the narrative of the left saying, oh, yes, yes, you got all of these uh, politicians that are making abortion illegal. That's not happened. What you actually have, you have Democrats that have what, how many times has it gone through the House, the Women's Health Protection Act, two or three times that would actually legalize abortion up until the moment of birth, birthday abortions, and would eradicate every state law, pro-life law that's been passed, including parental notification and ultrasound. So who's extreme on this issue? Look, Tony, this pattern is so clear. You know, take parental notification, for instance. Now, you and I might assume that a parent actually is responsible for their children until they reach the age of majority. But again, the, the radical left, time and time again, wants to take that authority away from you. And whether it's on uh, gender-affirming care, whether it's on abortion, whether it's on, uh, on birth control, it, it, they want to take control away from parents. This is part of their agenda. Abortion is just one part of it. You know, I, you know strangely enough, the, uh, the Women's Protection, Health Care Protection Act, uh, would allow abortion up to birth for sex selection. Well, these are the same people who can't define what a woman is. So how, how, how could you have a sex selection abortion? <laughs> That, that's an extremely good point, uh, and I think it shows the hypocrisy of the left. 
I, I want to go back to the, the clip I played at the beginning of the Secretary of Education. I mean, I, I, am I wrong in saying that this administration has an abortion worldview in terms of looking through everything through the lenses of abortion? I, I want to play this clip again of Secretary uh, Cardona and what he had to say yesterday at, uh, at the event. Play that clip of uh, uh, clip number four. Access to reproductive health is vital to these students and to countless others for success in college and beyond. Isn't that an insult to women that in order to succeed, they have to have access to an abortion? Now, Tony, I sit on the Education Committee, uh, committee Appropriations Subcommittee. I know the data on the education of American youth. And let me tell you something. When abortion was illegal before 1973, Americans scored better. So abortion is clearly not vital to, to education in the United States. We, we got more abortions since then, and we got poorer test scores since then. So for the Secretary of Education, again, to spend, given the fact that we've had such terrible results from the COVID lockdowns in the schools, for this Secretary of Education to spend any time insisting or suggesting that abortion is vital to education is just mind-boggling. Yeah, it is. Actually, uh, I'm, I'm here at uh, the Creation Museum just outside of Cincinnati, Ohio, in Kentucky. Uh, tomorrow I'm going to be speaking to a pastor's group. One of the issues I'm going to be talking about is education, looking at some of those statistics, going back uh, to roughly the 1960s when uh, the illiteracy rate in the United States was about 2.4%. Today it's at 21%. That's despite the fact that we're spending thousands of dollars more than we were uh, 40 years ago, but yet the results continue to decline. So obviously there's something bigger in terms of the problems we have in education than giving girls access to abortion. Look, you're absolutely, absolutely right. And the most stunning uh, facts about that slide in, in literacy is that it mostly affected minority communities. So it's just the communities that the liberal left has, has said are uh, disadvantaged, uh, they're causing that disadvantage. It's, it's liberal education policies that are causing that disadvantage. And, Tony, that's why you and I both know that parents are flocking from the public schools to private schools, Christian schools, the Catholic school system, private school system, because they know that our public school system is failing, honestly, because we have a secretary of education who thinks abortion is, is vital to education. Priorities are upside down. Uh, Congressman Andy Harris, stick with us. On the other side of the break, I want to switch gears talking about the vaccine mandate and how this is affecting our military. And in particular, the, the president uh, committing a member of the Coast Guard who he's now kicking out because they won't get the COVID shot. So uh, still more to come here on this special edition of Washington Watch as we're broadcasting from the Creation Museum, the site of a pastor's conference, which I'll be a part of, Ken Ham. President of Answers in Genesis joins us a little bit later. So a lot more to come from this edition of Washington Watch. And be sure to join us for the town hall meeting on Christian nationalism. Where did that term come from? Why are they using it? I'll tell you why. On October the 12th, when we have our town hall meeting. To join it, text the word town hall, one word, to 67742. That's 67742, the word town hall. And we'll give you all the information on how you can be a part of it. All right, stick around. Congressman Harris is with us when we come back. Don't go away. Would you like to spend consistent time in God's Word? Then join Family Research Council on an exciting journey through the Bible. FRC's two-year Bible reading plan helps you to approach daily Bible reading intentionally. You will dive deeper into the nature of God and how His Word speaks into cultural issues of today. All wisdom comes from God and he has given us the Bible as a way to understand the world. His word is necessary in our lives, so much so that Christ said, we are to live on every word that comes from the mouth of God. He calls it our daily bread because we need it daily to sustain us and nourish us spiritually, just like food does physically. Start this adventure today with Family Research Council. When you sign up, we'll text you with daily passages and questions that help prepare you for conversations with your friends and family. To begin this journey, visit frc.org slash Bible.
First Peter 3.15 instructs us to always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks for a reason for the hope that we have. The mission of FRC's online center for biblical worldview is to carry out that verse by training Christians to advance and defend the faith in their families, communities, and the public square, as now more than ever, we need to be grounded in the truth of God's word. The Center for Biblical Worldview provides amazing written resources for a wide range of relevant issues, including biblical stances on voting, religious liberty, abortion, marriage, and sexuality. Each of these topics comes as a free downloadable PDF version, abbreviated version, and Spanish translation, along with a prayer guide. To access this written series or to sign up for the Center for Biblical Worldview's monthly newsletter, visit frc.org slash worldview. Did you know that from as early as 12 weeks, and certainly by 20 weeks, an unborn child can feel pain? Did you know the issue of pornography is growing among women? Did you know that pornography, sex trafficking, and abortion are all linked and on the rise across the globe? Issues such as pornography, human trafficking, drug legalization, and abortion are all violations of human dignity and have resulted in the devaluation of human life in our culture. Family Research Council stands firm on the principle that every life has value, ought to be respected, and has been designed for a unique purpose— Educate yourself on the harms of pornography, human trafficking, and abortion so that you can offer hope and help. Learn more at frc.org forward slash life. Welcome back to Washington Watch. I'm your host, Tony Perkins. Good to have you with us. We are broadcasting from the Creation Museum. Um, In fact, a little bit later, we're going to be joined by Ken Ham, who is the president and CEO of Answers in Genesis. We're here for a pastor's conference that is taking place today and tomorrow. So uh, we'll learn more about that in a little bit when uh, Ken Ham joins us. But I want to continue continuing my conversation with Dr. Andy Harris. Uh, Andy, thanks for sticking around. Uh, Yesterday, I had one of your colleagues on, uh, Congressman Fallon. We were discussing the military's mandate on the COVID shot and the fact that we're forcing various members out. It was, uh, I think, embarrassing for the president uh, this weekend as he called a member of the Coast Guard who had been rescuing people down in Florida to commend him for his heroism. Uh, The the Coast Guard, uh, the young man, didn't let the president know that he was, in fact, being kicked out for not getting the COVID shot. But the the White House press secretary, Karine Jean-Pierre, was asked about that uh, yesterday, and here is her response refer you specifically to the U.S. Coast Guard on this on this issue, on this individual questions. It's not something that I would uh, comment from here, but, uh, you know, there, uh, of course, uh, have been multiple vaccination requirements, as you know, in place for quite some time. Uh, and, uh, but again, I'm not going to comment here from here on an individual case. Well, would you like to comment on it? This is, this is not an individual case. This is a rule made by the commander-in-chief. The fact of the matter is that her boss is the commander-in-chief of the military, and he decided that vaccines were mandatory for the military, even if you had the infection and had natural immunity, or if you had a religious objection. Uh, again, this is, this is unbelievable that they just choose to ignore the facts. Her boss is the commander-in-chief. Her boss made the decision. Her boss should take responsibility for the decision. So, uh, Dr. Harris, I want to talk to from, from a doctor's perspective. Uh, what do we now know about this vaccine, its effectiveness for this age category, primarily younger men and women who are in top physical shape? I think what we know now is that no no one who is not in a high-risk category really required a vaccination, and especially now that the that probably 95% of Americans have been infected with the virus. That, that means that they have natural immunity. It might even be higher than that. 
So to, to somehow insist that healthy people continue to get vaccinated when they have natural immunity at this point, again, makes no scientific sense. And, and in the case of our military, we've discharged and, and are ready to discharge many, many people who, have made, who keep our country safe. And this is just, again, this is a crazy policy, has no basis in science anymore. You know, it, it, the whole thing about science is when you learn new things, you change your mind, you change your ideas. On this issue, the president and his administration are absolutely stuck in the mud. They are unwilling to change despite the, again, the, the clear hypocrisy of the president praising someone who he's about to kick out of the military. Again, on the science of the, the, the vaccine, the shot, uh, there are some that say the, the FDA has not been forthcoming with all of the information about the adverse effects. Are, are you convinced that the government has been forthright in providing the information about the negative consequences of this vaccine being rolled out so quickly? No, they, they haven't. Uh, Tony, you know, the uh, vaccine uh, reporting system has uh, hundreds of thousands, if not millions by now of reports to it. Uh, they can't possibly go through all these and determine which ones are accurate and which ones aren't. And in the absence of that, I think they should, you know, first do no harm. First realize that healthy people, those people who are not in high-risk categories, do not need any more vaccines. You know, we're paying for 171 million booster doses. My prediction, Tony, there probably aren't even going to be 20 or 30 million administered because the American people have figured this out. And uh, they're, they're, they're no longer going to come under, you know, come under the command of the government uh, to get a vaccine. So, in other words, like we're, we're past the, the pandemic. The president himself said that uh, last month. So we should step back, reevaluate. Isn't that what we do in science? We look at the information and then we we chart a new course going forward based upon what we learn. That's absolutely right. In technical terms, we call it post-marketing surveillance, and that's what the FDA is supposed to do. You know, once you begin marketing a drug, and again, Tony, we've never had a drug as widely, put in air quotes, marketed as this drug, uh, since such a huge percentage of Americans have gotten it, it is time to, to go back, look and see what happens, because now the, uh, the latest variants of the coronavirus are not as dangerous as the original variants. We know that almost everyone has natural immunity now. Now is the time to back off these, manda these mandatory vaccinations. So this is an election issue that many are talking about. Do you foresee if there was a change of the majority in the House of Representatives in Congress, uh, at least in one of the chambers, could that change this, uh, this mandate upon our military and the way this vaccine, vaccine or shot is being pushed out? We absolutely will try to do that. Uh, in the end, the president would have to agree, even if it's an appropriation, if it's a spending bill. Uh, but I think the president uh, will reconsider. I don't think he's going to want to you know, shut down the government over uh, standing for a mandatory vaccine that, again, people are voting right now about vaccinations. They're not taking the boosters. Again, the government ordered yeah. 171 million. Nowhere near that amount have been, have been administered and nowhere near that amount will be administered. So people have made up their mind on this issue. The government's lagging on this issue. Yeah, I, I think you're absolutely right. I've talked to a number of people who got the, the shot the first time. Some of them got the, uh, the first booster, but after that they said uh, no more. Dr. Andy Harris, always great to uh, talk with you. Thanks so much for joining us today. Great to be with you, Tony. That was Dr. Andy Harris, Congressman from Maryland's 1st Congressional District, part of the Doctors' Caucus. Um, so many issues, so many issues on the ballot this November. You say, wait a minute, no, we're not voting on issues, we're voting on people. Well, some states are actually voting on issues. But by who you put in power, you will determine the policies of this country. If you want more abortion on demand and their goal is to make you pay for it. If you want that, you're okay with it, then, you know, just step back. Don't do anything. If you want government to reflect your biblical values, then you need to pray, you need to vote, you need to stand for those values. So I encourage you to, to take that pledge to pray, vote, and stand. And you can do that as well today by uh, pledging, by texting the word pledge to 67742. Already thousands have taken that. I encourage you to be a part of that as well.
Be involved and get your friends involved. All right, coming up next, the governor of Oklahoma signed a law last night blocking funding for the mutilation of minors through transgender surgeries. We talk about it next here on Washington Watch. Are you a university student? Do you know a university student, specifically one who wants to grow as a Christian leader to positively influence public policy and the culture? Look no further. Family Research Council has a life-changing 12 to 15 week internship program that has prepared and equipped students to take the next step in their professional journey. With a speaker series focusing on careers and callings, lectures from prominent conservative leaders, and weekly biblical worldview training, students will grow in personal and professional development. Interns have the opportunity to work in policy, communications, event planning, and more. They will gain real-world experience working directly with our experts who will guide them in pursuing careers of influence so that they can make a difference wherever God calls. This paid internship offers fully funded housing in the heart of downtown D.C., giving you the chance to experience our nation's capital. Visit frc.org internships to apply. What is biblical masculinity? In our culture of gender confusion, there aren't many examples of godly manhood. Men, husbands, and fathers need to find a model of godly manhood, leadership, and strength. But where can they find it in our culture? Stand Courageous Men's Ministry was created to help men find this model of godly manhood and to develop a strong biblical character, cultivate positive habits, build and rebuild relationships, and make commitments that will move men closer to God's good purpose and design. Men who will stand courageous. Join us at a Stand Courageous Men's Conference to discuss critical aspects of masculinity. These conferences are led by men who understand the issues men face. They unpack our role as a defender, provider, instructor, and battle buddy so that we can make an influence as a chaplain inside and outside the home. Learn more and find a Stand Courageous event near you at StandCourageous.com. Welcome back to Washington Watch. We're fr- we are broadcasting from the Creation Museum just outside of Cincinnati, Ohio. Ken Ham joins us in the next segment. He is the president of Answers in Genesis. We're going to talk about why we're here and why you want to come here. This is a great visit for the family, uh, but we'll talk about that next. It's always good to have good news. And uh, the governor of Oklahoma, Kevin Stitt, signed a bill yesterday that blocks funding for Oklahoma Children's Hospital at Oklahoma University Health to provide gender transition surgeries or hormone treatments on minors. Now, according to a recent report, these surgeries are expected to be a $5 billion industry within the next decade. And much of this is expected to come from federal funding. The Oklahoma governor has been outspoken on this issue. And quite frankly, this action backs up his words. Joining me now to discuss this is Oklahoma Senate President Pro Tem, Greg Treat. He represents the 47th District of the state of Oklahoma. Senator Treat, welcome to Washington Watch. Thank you for having me on. I appreciate it. So tell us what the governor did last night and now what he's calling on the legislature to do. Yeah, so last week during special session, we were allocating the ARPA dollars, the American Rescue Plan, federal dollars. And one of the programs we were trying to fund was $39.4 million in children's behavioral health at the University of Oklahoma. And through the research on trying to figure that need out, mental health is desperate desperate need here in the state, we found out that the University of Oklahoma was performing uh, surgeries and uh, giving hormone uh, blockers and hormone treatment uh, to kids under the age of 18, and we thought we're not going to be sending money toward that, and so we passed a bill in addition to giving them money for children's behavioral health, forbidding that practice, and so the governor signed that yesterday. And he called on us, uh, which we had already made a public announcement last week, that we're going to come in next session and and prohibit that statewide. Uh, This special session was limited to just the appropriations of those ARPA dollars, and so that's how we were able to do it at the University of Oklahoma. 
So, so, Senator, earlier in the week, the American Medical Association sent a letter to the Department of Justice calling on them to look into those who are threatening uh, children's hospitals and others over this issue of uh, what, what we describe as mutilation of minors, these, uh, the, these surgeries and these hormonal treatments that are given to, to minors. This has become a very political issue. Uh, do you expect to get pushback from the Biden administration on this? I anticipate it. Uh, they have a radical agenda, and we were just doing what we think it makes sense. We have a lot of laws on the books that don't allow minors to make certain decisions. They can't sign contracts. They can't get a tattoo, even with parental consent. They can't buy alcohol or cigarettes, and we thought it was prudent to, to prohibit them from doing it. Uh, yes, I I completely uh, think the Biden administration will push back on us, but I think we're on a firm foundation. So you bring up a a really good point, Senator, that we have all of these restrictions on minors. Why do we restrict them from getting a tattoo? I mean, why why is there kind of consensus that that those under the age of 18 shouldn't be able to get a tattoo or sometimes a little lower? Why do we think they shouldn't be able to get a tattoo? Because it's life-altering. It's a decision they may come to regret later on in life, and we think this uh, gender reassignment surgery and or puberty blockers or hormone treatment is very likely to be regretted later in life. We've all been, all adults have been through puberty and know how awkward that is, and uh, even small, insignificant decisions we look back on and think, what was I thinking when I was a teenager? And I've got a 14-year-old, a 12-year-old, and 11-year-old, and they're very mature for their age, but I would not think that they're mature enough to make those type of decisions well we don't let them drive either um you know That's i grew up in oklahoma I actually, but i mean i grew up in oklahoma driving on the dirt roads but still couldn't do it legally till we were 15 but, but the point is with the tattoos that you said it's life-altering i mean you get this tattoo yeah you can probably cover it up or get rid of it, it it's can be costly painful but if there's consensus over that right and left then why not, as you pointed out, the permanently altering of one's body, literally mutilating it in some cases, taking off healthy body parts? I mean, this tells me that this is a political issue, and that's what's driving it. It has nothing to do with the care and concern of children. I think you're spot on, and the legislature wanted to show that we were committed to children's mental health, and we did so with appropriating the money, but that money also came with certain expectations, and one of those is that they would immediately cease these practices. The University of Oklahoma provides tremendous medical care in Oklahoma, but we just find this unacceptable and not part of a medical regimen that we approve. Well, let me tell you, Senator, it's refreshing to see this coming from the upper ranks of leadership. I I was in the state legislature, but the leadership does not always take a strong, firm stand on conservative issues. You've got a great governor. He was with us a couple of weeks ago in Atlanta. Uh, Appreciate you joining us today and, and your leadership on this, speaking to the concerns and needs of parents to protect their children from making decisions and actions that could, well, it will alter, but it could ruin the rest of their lives. Uh, Senator Treat, thanks for being with us today. Thank you so much for the opportunity. I enjoyed visiting. All right. Proud of my uh, state of Oklahoma that I grew up in. Actually, one of the reddest states in the nation. But now my home state of Louisiana is not far behind. We've got some good folks there. Very pro-life state. Always has been. All right, coming up next, as I mentioned, we're at the Creation Museum for a conference for pastors. Well, the CEO and president of Answers in Genesis, the man behind all of this, he joins us next. Kevin Kinham is here next on this edition of Washington Watch. Don't go away. We'll be right back with more after this. What is biblical masculinity? In our culture of gender confusion, there aren't many examples of godly manhood. Men, husbands, and fathers need to find a model of godly manhood, leadership, and strength. But where can they find it in our culture? Stand Courageous Men's Ministry was created to help men find this model of godly manhood and to develop a strong biblical character, cultivate positive habits, 
build and rebuild relationships, and make commitments that will move men closer to God's good purpose and design. Men who will stand courageous. Join us at a Stand Courageous Men's Conference to discuss critical aspects of masculinity. These conferences are led by men who understand the issues men face. They unpack our role as a defender, provider, instructor, and battle buddy so that we can make an influence as a chaplain inside and outside the home. Learn more and find a Stand Courageous event near you at StandCourageous.com. With the increase in tech censorship of conservatives and Christians, Family Research Council created a tech subscription platform to be sure we don't go completely dark due to censorship. It is important to us that we stay connected with you and that you stay informed. So if we get canceled, you can still access updates on faith, family, and freedom. How? Just text STAND to 67742 to sign up for our text alerts and you will get FRC's content straight to your phone. Again, just text STAND to 67742 and you will get alerts on the biggest stories of the day. With just a simple text, always have access to our content and stay informed and connected with like-minded community. Text STAND to 67742. That's STAND to 67742. Are you a university student? Do you know a university student, specifically one who wants to grow as a Christian leader to positively influence public policy and the culture? Look no further. Family Research Council has a life-changing 12 to 15 week internship program that has prepared and equipped students to take the next step in their professional journey. With a speaker series focusing on careers and callings, lectures from prominent conservative leaders, and weekly biblical worldview training, students will grow in personal and professional development. Interns have the opportunity to work in policy, communications, event planning, and more. They will gain real-world experience working directly with our experts who will guide them in pursuing careers of influence so that they can make a difference wherever God calls. This paid internship offers fully funded housing in the heart of downtown D.C., giving you the chance to experience our nation's capital. Visit frc.org slash internships to apply. Welcome back to Washington Watch. As I mentioned, I'm here today and tomorrow in um, Kentucky, actually just outside of uh, Cincinnati, Ohio. Today we're at the Creation Museum. Tomorrow we'll be at the Ark Encounter. We're here for an Answers in Genesis Pastors and Leaders Conference. Uh, It's organized by Answers in Genesis, and it's, it's focused on our culture and the church which is in crisis. And uh, joining me now to talk about this is the man behind all of this, Ken Ham. He is the CEO and founder of Answers in Genesis and the Creation Museum. He's also the author of the book, Divided Nation, Cultures in Chaos and a Conflicted Church, which is, as I mentioned, kind of the theme of this week's conference. Ken, welcome back to Washington Watch. Hey, it's great to be with you, Tony. I'm glad you're here at the Creation Museum. He's speaking for us tomorrow. I'm, uh, I'm looking forward to fantastic. it. It's It's been... Uh, I'm trying to think how long ago it's been since I've been here, but it's well, been a few years. years because I don't believe in millions. That's years. right. That's right. We're 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 all young Earth people, so it hadn't been that long. Uh, first, let's talk about the conference and the focus of the conference, why you're doing it. Then I want to get into uh, the museum and and what's happening with you and the Ark. Well, you know, we we're all recognizing that the culture has changed. I mean, the Judeo-Christian ethic that used to permeate the culture and even the education system no longer does. Yeah. And we've seen that sort of curtain uh, sort of pull back, and now we're seeing uh, a whole different culture. And we're seeing moral relativism just permeating the culture. Uh, the culture would, would, has become increasingly intolerant of Christianity. Uh, right. as, I, as I say to people, you know, when you raise up generations as they've come through an education system, throwing God out, Bible out, prayer out, creation out, you teach them man determines truth, then in a culture where man decides what's right and what's wrong, anything goes except the absolutes of Christianity. Right, right. Because on the one hand, they say we allow all views, but the one view they don't allow is right. that based on the Bible. And so we're accused of hate speech. And, and in a culture where 
moral relativism uh, dominates, a secular worldview is dominating, then Christians are the bad guys. Right. And so they're accused of intolerance and hate speech and so it, on. It's interesting you say that because that's one of the issues right now, this rise of uh, this term Christian nationalism. We're going to be doing a town hall meeting on that uh, on the 12th next week. But they, if you have a biblical worldview, which is something that we focus on at FRC, and I know you do too at Answers in Genesis, it's part of this museum. Right is looking at the world through the lenses of Scripture. They say if you have that view, then you cannot participate in our public policies. You're trying to impose someone else's or your view on someone else. And, you know, uh, this is happening in Australia. In, in it, we're more advanced over in Australia. Well, not advanced in the sense of good, in the sense of bad. Uh, in this area, for instance, there was an example uh, you probably saw it in the news just within the last day or so. Uh, where a man who is a Christian was appointed CEO of the Essendon Football Club, um, but within 24 hours he had to resign because they found out that he was on the board of a church, and it's a mainstream sort of church, and they found out he was a Christian. He can't be there. He had to give up right. his job. That's the sort of thing. That's, that's what that's we're talking happening. about. And, you know, but, but their worldview is legitimate. Right. We all have a worldview. We all have a worldview, and and this is a point. I think there's been a lack of teaching in a lot of the church in regard to this because people have this idea that secular means neutral. So they have the idea Christians are biased, Christians have a worldview. You know, atheists have been saying this for a long time. They say we don't believe in God and we don't go to church. We're neutral. We don't have a worldview. But it's not true. You know, as the Bible says, you're either for Christ or against. You walk in light or darkness, build your house on the rock or the sand. Light or dark. Yeah, and that's what it is. And see... Atheists have a worldview. They have a religion. Because if you look up, say, the Merriam-Webster uh, Dictionary of Religion, um, it'll say principle, system of belief, held to with ardor and faith. Everybody has a way they look at the world. And ultimately, ultimately, there are only two foundations. You either start from God's word or you start from man's word. And this is the fact that many Christians don't understand worldview um, is the reason they fight these issues primarily at the worldview level. Right, And I'm not saying we shouldn't be involved there, but I'm saying if we don't also fight at the foundational level, we're not going to get anywhere at the worldview level. And the, the, the problem is, for instance, Freedom From Religion Foundation, you know that group of bullying, oh, very bullying atheists yeah, from yeah. Wisconsin, the way they have gotten away with things is because they come in and they say, you can't have crosses or nativity scenes or the Bible or prayer in school because you're imposing Christianity. So they have them removed and they say now they're neutral, but now they've imposed their, their view. atheistic right. worldview. Absolutely. And that's what we've got to deal with. And we should be confronting it's, it this way. That's right. And so one worldview is going to fill the vacuum. Right. And so what they want us to do is unilaterally disengage and step back because we have a view that is known from scripture and it's very clear they have a humanist worldview we just as you said many people don't recognize that or realize it but they're saying our worldview is invalid theirs is not but you know scripture tells us that it it tells us that they'll do this because um the the heart that is is not for god is at enmity with him it's hostile to him and, and Romans tells us that, for instance, and other places in Scripture. Uh, we, we've got to understand, you can't avoid the spiritual nature of this battle. We have right, to understand. Absolutely. The heart of man is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Right. There's none righteous, no, not one. There's none that seeks after God. And see, it, it's even the same when dealing with issues, even within the church, of you know homosexuality and so on, because uh, there are young people that will say, and, you know, or gender. You know, I feel, you know, I, I was born a male, but I feel I should be a woman and so on. But what we need to be teaching them is, and, and it's really only the Christian that can understand this correctly, mm-hmm. you can't trust your feelings. Right. Because your heart is biased against God. We have got to be prepared to judge our feelings against the absolute authority of the Word of God. Now, the absolute authority also says that there's no temptation we can't overcome in Jesus Christ. Which brings us to the point that the ultimate solution to all this is God's word and the saving gospel. Right. And the world is against truth. And we shouldn't be surprised at what the world's doing. Right. But I think a lot of it's because of a lack of teaching in our churches and so much of the church is lukewarm and we've lost so many of our generations to the world. So that brings us to this pastor's conference, mm-hmm. church leaders' conference, because the, the, the world 
the media would say, well, these are political issues and you're getting involved in politics. These are moral and spiritual issues. And if the church disengages and says, all right, we don't want the conflict. We're just going to go back into our cave or into our corner. The problem with that is these lies, these feelings that are being led, where people are being led astray by a fallen nature will never be confronted with the truth. Well, you know, we we can go and look at a number of Old Testament examples, can't we, in regard to how uh, God's people dealt with this, like uh, Daniel, for instance. There came a time when Daniel said, no, I'm not only going to pray, I'm going to open my window and I'm going to let you see me praying and was confronting the culture. If we just allow it, you know, sort of you see a lot of deference in in, in regard to these issues in the church and we'll just keep to our realm and you can keep to yours. What will happen is then they invade your realm and they invade it more and more until they're telling you what you can and can't do. And that is happening. I mean, let's think what we went through with COVID Mm -hmm. and and coming out of that. That is exactly what is happening. We're being told what you can teach what as a Christian business owner, the policies that you can have and what you have to embrace and what you have to celebrate. Because they want their worldview to be the only one. As I've often said, with, you know, with the LGBT movement, they say, all we want is freedom for our views. No, they want, don't. They want total compliance and acceptance. A and celebration. If you, and if you don't do that, then you're the hateful person and right. you're a racist and you're, you know. <laughs> and, and the downside to that is Jesus said this. He said, you will know the truth and the truth shall make you free. And as the church, it is our responsibility to be ambassadors of that truth, to share the gospel, that we bring our lives in alignment with the word of God. We don't meld and mend or bend the gospel or the Bible to fit our lives. Right. We change our lives to align with Scripture through the power of the Holy Spirit. And you Spirit. know, there's another part of that verse that I think it is missing in a lot of people's lives. When you become my disciples, yeah. when you are committed to the Lord the way we should be and build our thinking on God's Word. And you know, for the Christian, we've got to remember something. Uh, I, I think for a lot of Christians, what has happened is, I've been told over the years you can't use the Bible when you when you're arguing these things and you know that's you, the sword. But as soon as you give give up the Bible, they've already won, and oh, that's yeah. the problem because people have the idea the Bible is over here somewhere. All these issues are over here, but this is a revelation from God to us, and this is the foundation for our worldview. Absolutely, the foundation for their worldview is man determines truth. That's the conflict. Absolutely, it, it goes back to Genesis. You know. Obey me, um, God said to Adam, obey my word, don't eat the fruit of the tree. The devil says, did God really say, you be your own God? That's the conflict we have today. It hasn't changed. It's a battle of worldviews because it's a battle of foundations. We are defenseless if we lay down the word of God. Absolutely. You've given up your armor. Yeah. Uh, uh, we, We must have the word of God. In fact, I think as we are doing more at FRC, embracing the word more because it is the source of our strength, actually the source of our encouragement to to know what has happened throughout the history of mankind and that God has been there in good times, he's been there in the bad times, and he's been faithful to his people. But we're seeing, as you pointed to the Old Testament, we're seeing that played out in our nation, just like the wayward nation of Israel. Right. And, you know, there's another aspect of this we've got to remember you know, faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. It's God's word that will not return unto him right. void. So right. regardless of what the world says, yes. I, I, I always find as a Christian, I say to people, um, look, I'm a Christian. My thinking starts with the Bible. And they'll say, we don't believe the Bible. Don't give me that stuff. You don't believe the Bible? But I do. Yeah. Right? So, so tell me why you don't believe the Bible. I question them foundationally. What, how do you decide right and wrong? You know, what... Should somebody else have the same right and wrong as you? Why not? Why? You know, deal with it foundationally. We should take something from what they are opposed to the most. Mm-hmm. And it is the Word of God. It is. That's what it's all about. Right. And, and so that should tell us, and, and it's not necessarily the people, but it is the spirit of this age that is behind them, that's driving them to, to want to remove the Bible from our dialogue, from our culture, from our public um, purview, and that's why we must resist that and embrace and uphold the Word of God everywhere we go. Second Corinthians eleven three, the Apostle Paul has a warning for us. Yeah, you know, where answers in Genesis, right? So I, I have to quote this verse. You know, 
I want to warn you that the devil is going to use the same method on you as he did on Eve yeah. to get you to a position of not believing the word of yeah. God. And so the devil's attack is going to be to get people to doubt and not believe right. the word. The first attack, did God really say, was on the authority of the word, and that has never changed, and that's always been the attack. Yeah, the, the, the devil disguises, but the same tactics that he uses. It, it, it manifests itself in different ways in different eras. Like in this era, there's been a real big attack on Genesis 1 to 11 on the yes. history in, right. in the Bible, which is the foundation right. for all doctrine, right. for our worldview, for the rest of the Bible. But it's the same attack. It just manifests in different ways. I, I'm talking with Ken Ham. CEO Answers in Genesis, we're here at the Creation Museum. Let's talk. We just got a few minutes left, and I wanted to. This place is exploding uh, mm-hmm. from a standpoint of people coming here, this, the Ark Encounter. I mean, this this is this is put Kentucky. I mean, Kentucky's been on the map a long time, but this has really put northern Kentucky on the map. Well, it's interesting. Northern Kentucky has become the biggest faith-based tourist destination in America, because of the Ark and the Creation Museum. Recently, a secular magazine, Attractions Magazine, did research and said the Ark Encounter is the biggest attraction in Kentucky, the biggest themed attraction in Kentucky. And it's interesting that uh, the local Chamber of Commerce, Rotary, Northern Kentucky, uh, Convention and Visitors Bureau and so on, whenever they're having, you know, uh, get-togethers, speeches and so on, the Ark and the Creation Museum are mentioned, I'd say, every time. And they know the impact. 20 new hotels were built mainly because of the Ark and the Creation Museum. And in uh, Kentucky's tourism economy, 20% of it now comes from northern Kentucky because of the Ark and the Creation Museum. And, Tony, here's what's interesting. At a recent, at a recent one of these uh, public meetings, uh, somebody got up and said, well, the three biggest, the three biggest uh, tourism economic drivers in Kentucky are the Bible, uh, the Bible, bourbon and bedding. <laughs> we do the Bible bit. We don't do the bourbon bit. We don't do the bedding bit. But we do the Bible bit. But isn't that interesting how they're seeing that? Well, and I know that you had to persevere because there was a lot of obstacles oh, yeah. along the way, but God has certainly blessed and honored this. And, and, and I think it, it is a testimony to the, the desire that people have that will come from across the country to be here and, and, and experience this. You know, there's a hunger out there. Yes. Despite what's happening, there's a hunger for truth. 30% of those who come here are non-Christian. I mean, we get thousands of people every day, and uh, they're really hungry for the truth. And the other thing is, we've made sure that this is better quality. Yeah. Just as good, I think better, than than Hollywood, than uh, Disney, than Universal, and they're fun family attractions, uh, and people flock here, and they want their families to come here. And we make kids 10 and under free because we want to impact those younger generations. And families are looking for somewhere God-honoring. I mean, think of what Disney's doing now and pushing LGBT on on kids and so on. And I find more and more families saying, we want to come to somewhere that's wholesome. And so they're pouring in here, Christian and non-Christian. Last year, over a million people at the the uh, Ark. Ark. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Half a million at the Creation Museum. Not all at one time, though. No, we couldn't fit them all in at one time. During the summer, <laughs> it's though, it's a huge place. During the summer, it's nothing to get um, eight, nine, ten thousand people on a Saturday, uh, and during the week, you know, four or five thousand uh, during the busy times in the summer. But uh, no, it is a huge. The Ark is a huge place, and we're, we've put a lot of new uh, things into the Creation Museum. Actually, October 9th, we're opening. It'll be the most powerful pro-life exhibit in the world. Yes, I and heard. And we've got all these models from fertilization all the way through. You can see the organs working inside them. I mean, this is, it's incredible. Well, I look forward to our time tomorrow at the Pastors Conference and uh, being at the Ark and Kenham. Appreciate you and what you do. I appreciate you, Tony, and all you do, too. All right. Well, folks, thanks for being with us today, and tune in again tomorrow for more. Until next time, I leave you once again with the encouraging words of the Apostle Paul found in Ephesians 6, where he says, when you've done everything you can do, when you've prayed, prepared, and taken your stand, by all means, keep standing. Washington Watch with Tony Perkins is brought to you by Family Research Council and is entirely listener-supported. Portions of the show discussing candidates are brought to you by Family Research Council Action. For more information on anything you've heard today or to find out how you can partner with us in our ongoing efforts to promote faith, family, and freedom, visit TonyPerkins.com. Also, to leave a comment about Washington Watch, call our watch line at 1-866-386-7900.
372-7234. That's 1-866-372-7234. 